When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Farm. I'm Oak and Danny, Irish Outfield Road. Now, another week, another mixed bag. <laughs> Not quite sure what to say about it, um, but we'll get into it in a minute. But obviously me and Amma were here recording another podcast on another week. Going to be discussing the Fulham game, going to be discussing the Leipzig game, uh, and going to be discussing how we think Liverpool are going to finish this season at some point and, and where we're actually going to come. But before we get into all of that, Amma, what have you been at this week? What's been going on? Yeah, very little, Danny. Um, usual family stuff, you know, kids and lack of sleep, lack of sleep and kids and work and Lack of sleeping kids and um, what football matches I watch? I watch Man City um, get beat by Man United, which is a bit of a shock. Mm. Um, and then I caught Manchester City before the Liverpool match yesterday um, from Southampton, which was not a shock, you know. Um, that's it, really, Danny. I haven't really been that much. I mean, I spent three days crying over Liverpool and I spent the last 12 hours rejoicing over Liverpool. Mm. Um, that's it, really, mate. And you know, we're all in that kind of, we're all in that phase now where you know, whatever you're doing with your life, whatever you may work, whatever you may do, we're all kind of waiting to get out this lockdown and kind of mm. life go back back to normal. I know there's there's rumours and stuff that come the last game in May that we might have fans, which is just brilliant, and not a couple of thousand, ten thousand. So we're all kind of aiming to kind of get out this lockdown and have like the best summer that we've ever experienced in our lives. Um, like I'm. I'm that's what we're all doing, really, aren't we? Secretly, but we're all kind of like, well, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we know what's gone on before. And um, that's it. That's my mindset. Um, what about you? Yeah, same. Um, I've been trying to been trying to be as normal as possible, which sounds weird, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, as you said, we're all kind of in this limbo at the minute, aren't we? Just yeah. waiting for normality to resume. And I feel like we're not the only ones. Like I can talk about my week and what I've been trying to do, and trying I've been trying to go out walking more this week. Uh, I've joined like a personal training group um, and I've been doing a couple of sessions just in the park and stuff, like all socially distanced and stuff. Um, so I've been trying to 
keep my head and stuff as much as I can and, and obviously been working as well. But yeah, as you said, we're just waiting for normality. And I feel like it's not just us. If you look at the football, Jordan, this week, it just feels like everything is just not normal at the minute. As you said, Man United comfortably beating City in that game there over the weekend. You, you've seen Barcelona last night looking an absolute shell of the former selves. Like Barcelona, are an absolute juggernaut of football. And yet, I, I think I think the likes of West Brom would have given them a run for the money yesterday. I just didn't think they looked any good. And everything just feels like it's backwards. Like everybody is just waiting for normality to start again. <laughs> It's mad, like, at the beginning of the season, there's lots of these games that was plenty of goals and it was going crazy. And they can't have, I think all the managers kind of thought, like, this needs to stop. And they all kind of shut up shop. Then all the games have been, like, one nils. And um, I don't know if there's many people that listen to this podcast that are betters, but I, 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 love, I love a pump myself. And one of my favourite bets is over 2.5 goals in a game because normally when you bet on a team, it always lets you down. So I think if you bet on over 2.5 goals in a match, you know, you've got to fight his chance, even if it's like nil nil 80 minutes ago, lots of goals can happen. And uh, so many games are finished like one nil or like one all, or you know, there's not a lot of goals in, in these games because you know, with the exception of City, um, all these games are quite tight. And um, yeah, you can see that all the managers are kind of shut up shop because it was mad at the beginning of the season, it's kind of went even more boring now. And then who knows, we've got the last third of the season within like the last. Last trimester, anyone anyone that's uh, <laughs> got kids will understand, understand that last trimester. And it could just go anyway, couldn't it? <laughs> no. It really... No, anyway, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And I think you look at the league table and there's literally 20 points separating second to 13th. Like, we just, you just don't know what can happen. You go on a quick run of games and win five, six games on the bounce and you can be up in the Champions League spots. Like the 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 whole situation is just so bizarre, and as you said, I think a lot of managers have seen that, and it's all about. I think the the teams that will not get relegated this season are the teams that don't lose games. Yes, and yeah, it is the thing to themselves. A draw is better than a loss, so I'd rather just sit back, take a nil nil, and and not lose to get points on the board rather than going for it and going all out. Um, as you said, City are the only exception, but United punished them in doing that. But it's yeah, it's just it's so bizarre. It's such a weird league, and we know firsthand about that because we support Liverpool. And we <laughs> see how ridiculous this season is um, with with us as a team, and it's epitomised by Fulham at the weekend. And we're going to talk about that now because we said in last week's pod that we really should be getting. The points out of this game it's a it's a game that we must win that there's no reason why we shouldn't win it um with the way the fulham's been playing yes they've been playing a little bit better this this year in 2021 but generally they haven't got enough that that we shouldn't be taking care of them and yet another one nil loss at home like what what is going on what was going through your mind watching that game i don't know um i wasn't shocked at all so what was more shocking before going to the game was getting a text off um my co-host of this podcast saying, do you still want to do the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's what was more concerning. You know, my, uh, my my bread and butter and life and social life and everything, apart from being a dad, is all about this podcast. And Danny's <laughs> text me after the match being like, oh, so you just swear it, you know. <laughs> I was like, what? what? But the funny thing was, is that I could understand your mindset, mate. Um, it was just, you could see it coming. You know, and I, I mean, no disrespect to Fulham Football Club. I actually went to see them live um, a couple of years ago. They got to the Cup final against City at Wembley. 
and me and a friend, uh, John Devlin, shout out to John Devlin, um, we went to see Fulham and they were in the championship at the time and we went to pay to, pay to see Fulham um, and as we got to the, the, like, the turnstile, um, we got given free tickets, believe it or not. So we watched Fulham, I can't think who it was, who it was against. Um, but I think it was Middlesbrough in the Championship so not, no disrespect against Fulham whatsoever there's one few football teams that I've watched and I've not been playing Liverpool but we should be beating them they're not that great they've got a couple of good Luchman's a great player uh, Loftus come off the bench he played alright um, but I mean apart from Luchman I didn't really think they had much to be honest with you and um, I mean you, you're glad they got the strike it was a good strike but it was a mistake by Salah and I think it's the old cliche in football, isn't it? When things aren't are going against you, they're going to bully against you. Mm. And uh, in times gone by, he would have given that. It's hard to say give the ball away because it's, it's, he had his back to the, the player and he was Salah's a strong player. But that that little mistake there was a difference in three points, you know, for Fulham and Liverpool. And I mean, they're fighting for their lives and stuff. But so should we. Um, to analyse it up, Danny, it was just typical. We had enough chances to win the game. Did he ever feel like we were going to win the game? No. Over the last three seasons, we've gone behind quite a few times, and Liverpool come back and won. And you just kind of Liverpool go a goal down any time, kind of within sixty minutes. You'd be sitting there thinking, "Do you know what? It's all right. We can score two, three, in like five, ten minutes." When we went one no long into form, and it was just before half time, I'm sitting there, I'm worried. I'm sitting there, and I'm panicking, and I'm like, "Oh no!" The changes was a big thing because I called for them, didn't I, Danny? I called for them. I took yeah. a bit of a, a bit of raff on social media, which I'll, I'll fire in there now before you do. <laughs> um, but I did I did what I said was and I said it on the podcast last week I said it on social media I said uh, we need to change Kite needs to come in um, you know Milner needs to come in you know give boys a chance and uh, I, don't, I don't think they've done too bad but I just you know you look at the difference Williams and Arnold some difference there Reese Williams it was good to get him in because you know his last appearance I think was against United when he got absolutely tortured in the FA Cup so it was good to follow him in um, Phillips did alright Robinson having present um, I just didn't see that team going behind coming back and to sum up your question Nanny I just wasn't shocked and uh, it's just a shame now because over the last couple of months we've, we've, we've got the mentality of right oh, here we go um, it can't get no worse and it just keeps getting worse um, what I will say before I kind of ask you about it is how I'm trying to look at this now is in years gone by we've been fighting for top four and we've been in this position and we've always believed in Liverpool because we're big Liverpool fans and we've had worse teams and worse squads than this, and we've made top four yeah. than what we have at the moment even with the injuries and we've been fighting for like a cup usually the Champions League or Europa League which is kind of ironic but um, you know the the, I can't think of the right word, but the affiliate, affiliation between Liverpool and the European Cup is just something special. It's almost it's almost above football and above who's on the field. Um, but the way I'm trying to look at it now and analyse the season for me, Danny is just like, we're fighting for top four and we've, we've still got a chance of winning the best cup that any team can win. So it's not all doom and gloom. Um, what did you think of the game and tell me this? What's your kind of mindset afterwards, you know? Do you know what? I think I think you'd know my mindset afterwards because I text you saying, should we maybe just scrap this pod now? And I think that came from a place of of just knowing that, that it almost summarises the lockdown, that Liverpool are almost in like a Groundhog Day lockdown of their own. That I'm sitting there every week just going, how many times can I come on this podcast and say about a team sitting in two bags of four 
waiting for Liverpool to come at them and Liverpool having nothing. And and that's what it was again. And we can cite so many games from this season looking back and where we've turned around on the podcast and say the team sat in two bags of four, they've, they've waited for Liverpool to come at them and Liverpool have had no creativity, they've had no passion, the touch has been really off. Um, when we've had the chances, we haven't been clinical enough and then they've done us on the break. And that, that is exactly what Fulham did in that game. They sat back in those two bags of four and just waited for us. And then they came at us on the break a couple of times and Lamina got the goal from, as you said, a solid mistake. We made six changes during the game. I would never blame. I know you took a lot of flack on social media, um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily blame the changes for the loss. Yes, Nico Williams, in my in my opinion, isn't good enough and shouldn't have been playing. The only time he really played well was when he knew he was coming off, and then he started to play yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. And that's all we've seen from him is that he's seen Trent starting to warm up on the sideline. And he thought, right, I'm going to have a run at this defence, and it's like you should have done this. 45 minutes ago like what are you doing um but but he wasn't to blame he wasn't to blame for the goal he didn't cause any major problems um it's just that his crossing wasn't good enough but let's be honest Trent hasn't been good enough all season as well so it's not as if he has done any worse than what Trent has done um since the beginning of 2021 um Reese Williams as I said Reese Williams I think for me is struggling with a little bit of a a crisis at the minute of confidence and I think it helped him play. 19, isn't he? He's 19. Like. Exactly. Like, how many players are playing in a team that, that is fighting to retain the Premier League title at 19 years old as a main centre-back for that team? Like, you would not be expecting him to do that. So, of course, he's going to have a little bit of a confidence crisis, and especially with what happened at United. Um, but he had Nat Phillips next to him. Nat Phillips, for me, has been the, the polar opposite. He's come in and just been an absolute rock. What a guy. What a man. He's, he's been so good, and we'll go on to him in the Leipzig game in a bit, yeah. because it was between him and Fabinho for man of the match for me. But, um, yeah, I think generally the team was solid. We passed the ball well, but we're just it's just the same old story. No creativity, no final ball in the final third, and we're not clinical enough. Again, we've just seen chances go missing and go begging, and you've just seen at the end of the game just that picture of Shaqiri, down with his head in his hands at the final whistle and you thought it's exactly what it's all about at the minute. Just a team that is lacking confidence, lacking belief and is coming to Anfield suddenly wondering whether we can get anything out of games against anyone. Yeah, I mean, it's just depressing and that's the thing. It was, I think the biggest thing we can say about this and you can, I mean, I suppose this is what we do in this podcast. We analyse and this is what we do as football fans. You know, we sit there in conversations and, you know, there's that kind of level of I can't think of the word but the level of kind of you know friendship or bondship between two football fans and we sit there and you can and there's certain things you can say you know and you, you mean another point because you both know what's going on with, with, with football and, and Liverpool at the moment we've discussed it all we've been through it all we've been through it you know, we've, I think the biggest thing you now is just hope and pray that come Wolves on uh, Monday we have a positive result and as I say, we're going to Leipzig game in a bit, but I mean, all you can do is forget about it because, you know, what, there's no point in analysing it such Stanley because it's the same as every other game. Yeah. Right back to West Brom, right back to Newcastle. As you say, teams got behind the ball, hit us on the break, set piece, boom, goal. We're, no, we're vulnerable. That's why I think we should start playing Nat Phillips because he's a beast in the air. And um, what he doesn't have in pace, he makes up having the presence in the box. 
And what, what I've found is that we've always been vulnerable to set pieces. Um, before Virgil van Dijk come to Liverpool, um, that was always our problem, set pieces. And I've started to realise that a lot of set, you know, we've had so many issues with set pieces. How many times have you seen Van Dijk get a header on the corner? You don't realise. You might only concede three or four corners in a game, Liverpool, because we're that dominant. But Van Dijk's only heading three or four of them away. And I, I've tried so, so hard not to sit there and hide behind the excuse of injuries. But when you realise that, you know, it's the same old thing, blowing, you know, doing us every week, it's like, you know, we need these players back. And all you can do is forget about the bad results. It happens. Um, it was probably a miracle that we didn't start having worse results earlier on, to be honest. Mm. Um, and try and look forward. That's all you can do. Yeah, totally agree. And I think if because we want to, we obviously want to leave on a positive, especially before we go into the Leipzig game. Um, I think the the one positive that I did take out of the game, and it came right at the very beginning when we seen the lineup, was that the fact that Klopp is starting to realise the importance of putting players in the positions that they're meant to be in. I think he was almost playing fantasy league for a little bit that you're thinking to yourself, well, Fabinho's a good player, Henderson's a good player, so if you stick them anywhere on the pitch, they're going to be decent. And there's a certain level of truth to that. But with the amount of injuries that Liverpool have had, I think many of the fans have been crying out for weeks now that we need to have faith in the centre-backs that we've got and we need to play boys in the positions that they're meant to play in. And I think playing Reese Williams and Nat Phillips at the back I think was the beginning of... Klopp showing, right, uh, we've got to go for this now and we've got to come out of the blocks and it's more about getting goals than defending. So let's let's play people where they're meant to play. And, and that is so interesting, interesting point you make there as well. And I think it takes a great manager to turn around and go, do you know what? I've tried this, it hasn't worked. Um, and I think it brings us greatly onto Leipzig, doesn't it? At the end of the day, you know, Fabinho come on, he made, what, 15, 20 minutes and you know, cameo midfield against Fulham. And we even look a better team when he come on. And um, it's just a shame because you think to yourself, I wonder if you give Nat Phillips a chance at the very beginning. He could, he, instead of having, I think I was looking at statistics online last night because you know there was a lot of a lot of praise for him. He's only played 10, 11 games for Liverpool. Mm. Do you know? I'm, he, 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 no, he don't. He come and he played um, in the derby last year in the FA Cup. We won one 0 Curtis Chonko. Um, I was referred to that as the last game I was at. And he come. He, he got recalled. Recalled from a loan spell at Stuttgart. Played one game in the FA Cup for Liverpool and he went back to Stuttgart alone. And it was a 1 0 win with a clean sheet against a, a, a full strength Everton team. <laughs> you know, he's never put it, for me, he's not put a foot wrong. I understand he's not he's not a Daniel Agger. He's not a, he's not a Van Dyke. He's not a, um, he's, he's not a, he's not a special defender that could play up front or midfield. He's not, he's just, he's just a John Terry. He's just a Sammy Ipia. He's just a Jamie Carragher. But that's what we've been lacking because yeah. Virgil Van Dyke is that. Plus, you know, a weird way of putting this. Van Dyke is like um, Phillips and I can put together and then put <laughs> better than them both. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we've missed. So you, you make such a good point, Danny, about playing players in a position because I was behind Klopp. I thought, you know, don't question Klopp. We'll be to question Klopp. You know, we're just a couple of nobodies in a podcast, you know. But um, you know what? He's, he's realised it's not been working and he's changed it. And it was a bit of posture and then I mean, let's talk about likes it, Danny. I'm sure you've got stuff to say. Let's talk about likes it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a good time to go on to that, especially with, um, as we said, we're talking about people not having faith in Klopp. One of the things that came out of the Leipzig game is that that's our 100th Champions League goal um, under Jürgen Klopp, um, obviously winning 2-0 there at Leipzig. Now, 
again, Klopp, and as you said, and I fully agree with you on that, it takes a, a good manager, it takes a big man to, to turn around and go, do you know what? I've tried something, it hasn't worked, I need to change it again. And that's what Klopp has seen, is that he has gone. And you've seen, I've seen managers' careers completely fail on the fact that they've been so determined to stick with their own way of doing things, even when it's not working and even when they're dying in the water. Um, but they want Mourinho. To stick to yeah. Mourinho being a classic example, obviously the likes of Moyes as well at Man United. And the managers have sort of died under their own philosophy, where Klopp has turned around and said, right, I've done it wrong, I need to try again, I need to try something different. And he's realised that. And we've seen that going into that Leipzig game, is that he changed the formation again. He made sure Fabinho was sitting in that midfield where he knew he'd be most effective. And for me, it was chalk and cheese with the Fulham game because it was a dominant performance where, yes, we made a few, not errors in the first half, but I think we, we weren't as clinical as what we'd have liked to have been. Um, and that just comes with confidence. I think Salah hitting them at the keeper instead of tucking them away into the bottom corners just little things like that, but it, it it ironed out in the second half, and I and I thought we were a totally different team, a sort of almost Liverpool of old to a certain degree. What did you what did you make of it? Yeah, well, I think the key difference was Fabinho midfield. Um, for me, the biggest change and the biggest thing that made the difference was Fabinho midfield. But I think it complemented having um, Quebec and Phillips at the back, mm. and uh, I think that Phillips man of the match. I think that goes out same for me. Um, Obviously, the likes of Arnold having the rest and stuff. Um, I think Arnold played well. I think we all played well. I think the only thing we were missing up until the goal was the goal. You know, yeah. it was Vincent Salah, Vincent's front free play. Um, Firmino's injured at the moment. I don't know if I read all into that. You know, I don't know if maybe Klopp's just taking off the firing line. I don't know. Um, but anyway, for whatever reason, I thought Jota was a handful. Uh, you know, we had a couple, it's like his third or fourth game back, which, you know, he probably was a bit, what's the word, you know, a bit rusty. In the mm. first couple of games, he'd come back and he, he caused them terrible, terrible problems. Probably should have got a couple of goals, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I think the one thing you miss, um, sorry, the one thing you have when you've got Jota, Mane and Salah up front is you've got pace. Yeah. And as I say, um, I think we should have scored a couple of goals early on, but I think the goal from Salah come at the right time, brilliantly worked. And then the goal from Origi, um, sort of the goal from Origi, the assist from Origi to Mane. So the only thing Origi's on all season. It's not, yeah. but it was a, 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 it's, no it is no it is and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly I'm his biggest fan you know when he'll go when he goes I'll be leaving the posts and you know accolades and I'll be messaging on Instagram to come on a podcast I love Rigi but um, you know it's only thing it's the last season um, big shout out to Alison that save he made in the first half as well mm. yeah, that, 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 that's where he made mistakes against United and, it, and you know then we know what happened with the deficit's father um, he got brought out the final line and Adrian come and played well against Sheffield United. Um, and he's been in and out with a few injuries and stuff this season. But, you know, at there, it's, it's those small differences that make a tie, like in the Champions League. And those couple of saves that he pulled off at right times were just brilliant. And I think that's what you're saying. I think that's what I can say about Alisson. Um, I'll, I'll look back to the game against Roma in the year. I'm not sure if it was the year that we won it or the year that we got to the final. Um but there's, I think it was the year we won actually against Roma in the, in the quarter finals, was it? Um, and he made a save in like the last minute of the game. And if they scored, we would have went out in the way goals rule. Yeah. I think the thing about Allison is he makes saves at, the, at crucial times that it might not be a world class save, but he saves it. He doesn't make mistakes that way, type of way. And uh, I think that proved it against Leipzig. Um, so for me, if I had to analyse it as quick as I can, 
Fabinho in midfield complemented the team great. You know, Nat Phillips and Quebec had that bit of insurance in front of them because the greatest respect to Thiago, Genie, and you know, Milner. They're not really defensive midfield players. They're box to box. You know, what I would say as well, and I have to give him a praise because I haven't given it really, is Thiago. He played great. I think you see him in that more forward role with less responsibility of being back. Yeah. He had he had different... I don't want to get too technical here, like I'm some kind of expert, but what I noticed about Thiago was instead of having the ball on the centre you know, circle, looking to pass it and make, make something happen, he had the ball on the inside right position and he, he had angles to make passes that he hasn't been getting. Mm. So I think you've seen how effective he can be. So you make a good point before about the position and people in that position. Maybe not only was Fabinho out of position in centre midfield, maybe Thiago's been playing out of position and that's maybe why we haven't seen the best of them. Um, so a great shout out to Thiago as well. As I say, Vintage Manny, Vintage Salah, um, Naf Phillips, I think we found a superstar there. I really, really do. Steve McManus kept saying it. Um, and I think it could be a typical zero to hero type of situation. I would hate to see him in about three or four years in League One with like Sheffield United or something. I would hate to see that because you know, he's, he's obviously come into Liverpool for a reason. They've scouted him. He's got a, a father in football. He's got pedigree in football. He's been out alone, done it the hard way. He was about to go, I think, to Preston begin the season. It fell through. It fell through for a reason. He's come in and he's done a job to Liverpool. And I can see if he's that good a defender, if he can work on him technically, I don't see why he doesn't have a, a big, big future at Liverpool. Um, and I think th- for me personally, where I'll take out of that last 16 tie against Leipzig was our old Liverpool come back with Fabinho midfield and a star um, a star was discovered in Nat Phillips. Um, and I hope and prove right, but I don't know. Mm. No, I think I fully agree with you. Uh, I think we've seen a very, very different Liverpool team there. We've seen people in the right positions, which, as you said, was it was so important. I think Thiago has been for me, and I know I've I've tried to defend them as much as I could. Um, Thiago for me is almost like a, a Paul Scholes. The Paul Scholes was a, a quality player, so so good um, in his time, but Paul Scholes didn't have the defensive element to his game. He didn't have that in him. He was he was sloppy in the tackles and different things like that. And even the most hardcore of Man United fans will will say that is that they were always a little bit worried about him um, when he'd be there in those defensive positions. And I think Thiago is the same. As I said, yep. when you've seen him in that free role, just with knowing that he had Fabinho and Wijnaldum behind him to defend uh, and do those jobs, he was a lot more free. Don't get me wrong, he was he was loving the bicycle kick for some reason yesterday. He was uh, going <laughs> at it as much as he could. Um, but yeah, when he was in that role where he knew that his job was to get the ball and make the make the sort of clear, concise passes that got the team moving forward, he just looked a lot more comfortable, which was good. Fabinho, obviously Fabinho was given man of the match on the ninth, um, although that's debatable with Nat Phillips. Um, he just, again, he looked a lot more comfortable. I, I think he's been great at centre-back while he's been there, but for, this, for the sake of the team, he needs to be back in that midfield. Um, and then, yeah, Salah, Mane, Jota, as I said, first half looked a little bit sort of, they, they weren't very clinical. They were making good passes, but the, the finishing product wasn't great. But then second half, they cleared that up. And as you said, Divock Origi came on, um, I think just to show Trent Alexander-Arnold how you put a ball in the box. <laughs> uh, he just came on and whipped in an absolute beach for Mane. Um, as you said, it's something that we don't see enough of, of of from Origi, um, and we need to see a lot. But more that's the thing. Can I just say, Danny, sorry to interrupt there. That's the thing about Origi is that 
we all know he's, he's not money and he's not seller, right? But he, there's a play in there somewhere. You must be, you know, it must be a man that's so frustrating as a man because you can see it. You know, the goals he scored against Everton in the derby, and you know, he scored you know, the goal, even the goal in the Champions League final. That wasn't a, a that wasn't a bad goal. Was, you know, that was a great goal. Like there's a player in there, but like is the is the sort of missing like up, upstairs? I don't know. You know, he's, <laughs> he's no, he's pay, no, Danny. Let me just make this point. He's pacey. You know, mm. we scored on the biggest occasion. He's been out the pool like after Henderson. I think he's Liverpool's longest serving player. No, he was there on the Rodgers. You know, he's mm. he's still only about 24, 25. Like he's got 20, 30 caps of Belgium. You know, he's he's, he's versatile. You know, yeah. it, this, it just makes you want to pull your hair out because I look at him and I see some of the things he's done. He's like, he's like Garcia. Remember Garcia? Yeah. He comes up with big goals and big moments. But then, you know, I'm sorry for the listeners on 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, so I'm really alive, but like, then the other ninety percent of the time he's pure. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, I do. It makes you want to pull your hair out. I know, I know what you mean. He just he reminds <laughs> me of, as you said, in football, consistency is key, and he just doesn't have that. He is the equivalent of. There's boys, we've all played with them. You think of you playing seven aside, 11 aside, five aside, whatever. There's always that one lad that you've got playing. And don't get me wrong, he can, he can touch a ball and he's, he's got nice, he brings nice boots with him and stuff like that. But generally you're going, he's crap. He's, he's proper garbage. But then now and again, he pings in a 30-yarder into the top bin in a game. And then he'll come off at the end and he'll be like, you see my goal there, wasn't it great? It's like, yeah, but you're still crap. And that's what, for me, what Origi is, is that Origi has scored amazing goals in big moments or contributed to play that has been quality. And you can imagine he comes off in the dressing room at the end and was like, see what I did there, boys? See what I did? And they're all going, yeah, but you're still crap. And that's that's what Origi is for me. <laughs> can I give a personal shout out there to our good old friend? And, our, and he's, a, he's a very enthusiastic listener to the podcast. Pete McGill. <laughs> I was not going to mention any names, but I knew that that was the person you were thinking of. Uh, let, let, uh, we'll wait the text messages. Nah, I don't know. In all fairness, he's, he's a very enthusiastic footballer. But um, I remember um, we, we, me and Dan used to play seven aside you know, over over a couple of years, and um, this boy popped up and he scored an absolute screamer. And I was like saying to everyone, "What? He's amazing!" And I was like, "Who is he?" I've never seen him do that before. I, I thought he was a worldie. <laughs> but there you go. Now, no, 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 all jokes aside, I'm just, it's because he mentioned the 30-yard 30, the 30 screamer. That's yeah. all. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. But Rigi is one of these players where he just, he just frustrates you because, um, it's, it's, you know, you, hear, you can hear the groans in all the living rooms across the country when he, when he comes off the bench. Yeah. You can hear them. Oh, do you know what I mean? As where it used to be, you know, we were top the league by 10 points and we were 1-1. And, you know, he's coming on, you're like, ooh, could he do something? But when you're 1-0 down or, you know, even last night, you're thinking, they're thinking, is it a good idea to bring these boys off? You know, obviously, Josh is not fully match fit and he needs the rest and stuff. But mm. he come on, he didn't, there wasn't much thinking. Maybe he's one of these players where you don't think about it and, and he just did it. Maybe, maybe that's the, the key with Origi, I don't know. But um, I'm just trying to say, because he's got the experience, he's still young, he's quick, he's pacey, he's strong. And he's not a bad footballer, but as I say, he's just he comes on the pitch sometimes. He's just sitting in, and he just doesn't look bothered. And I don't know, Danny, but yeah, but yeah, it's just so frustrating because he's a player in there, isn't he? You know, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. But as you said, I think consistency is key and consistency is just one thing that Origi doesn't have in his locker at the minute. Hopefully in time with experience and especially because he's played on the biggest stages. He's played internationally, he's played Champions League finals uh, and for a lad of his age to be able to have played as many big games as he has, you'd like to hope that that experience will come and that consistency will come in time. Um, But I honestly think he maybe needs to step down a level before that consistency will be noticed. Um, the only other question I want to ask you when it comes to, not just this game, but when it comes to the future, is I want you to imagine we're going into next season, starting in August, we've got all our players back, Gomez is fit again, and uh, Van Dijk's fit again, and, and Firmino's back, and all the other players that we have, um, maybe even a couple of new signings coming in, stuff like that. Who... Do you start right now, knowing our players, who do you start at centre-back? Knowing the way Nat Phillips is. Obviously, Van Dijk is a given. Like If you don't say Van Dijk, then we might as well quit this pod. But <laughs> Van Dijk's going to be sitting there at centre-back. But who would you have? Obviously, we've got Gomez to come back. Gomez, full of pace. Nat Phillips, really, really good in the air. Ben Davis, yet to start. But I think he's going to be like a Robinson. He's just he's bringing him in slowly. Hope so, yeah. He's an interesting one, Davis, yeah. Does Quebec go go back on loan again? Does Quebec go back to Schalke, or do we keep him? Like, what would be what would be your starting centre back pairing? I think I think the jury is still still out on Quebec. I don't know. I'm not convinced. Um, it's hard to say that Nathalie is a starter uh, if we've got a fully fit squad. But I don't see why Nathalie can't be that third choice or fourth choice. You know, mm. um, for me, it's Van Dijk and Gomez. You know, you know when. When Van, Van Dyke's on fire and playing, and Gomez is on fire and playing, I don't think there's a better partnership in the country, maybe potentially in the world. Only problem is, is that we only had a season and a half of that, and look what we did. Mm. You know, we won the Champions League, we won the league. So for me, it's them too. And still young enough, Van Dyke's what, 29, maybe. He's still got three or four years in him. Um, the Gomez is only what, 24, 25. He's definitely got years in them as well. So he could even be young and that actually come to think of it. So yeah, Gomez and Van Dyke, Danny. Um, what about you? Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I, I have sang the praises of Gomez for a long time and I think he's got a mistake in him every now and again, but the difference between his mistakes and other people's mistakes is that Gomez has the, the pace to rectify a lot of the mistakes that he makes. Uh, I think when other centre-backs make those same mistakes, and everybody does, you think of some of the best centre-backs that we've seen play. We, 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 we as Liverpool fans watched Torres absolutely rip Vidic the bitch season on season and, and Vidic was probably one of the top defenders in the country at that point. All defenders have mistakes in them and we all know it because they're just more noticeable because they play at the back line there. Um, for me, yeah, I would be starting Gomez and Van Dijk but I honestly think we had the discussion at the start of the season about how we had never brought in a replacement for Dejan Lovren. I honestly think that Nat Phillips is that player. Like I, I would put him in there and say with a, with a couple of years' experience playing in a team and you think Nat Phillips is playing at the level that he's playing at at the minute and he hasn't had consistent first-team training with the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez to step up his game and step up his level and I think you put a season's training under his belt playing with Van Dijk, playing with Gomez mm-hmm. uh, and having that intense level of training once all the first-team are back like, I honestly think Nat Phillips fits that bill to be that third-choice centre-back and, and overtake where Lovren, where we were missing because of money. I agree. I just, you know, you can I can see it now, three, four years down the line, he's playing for Middlesbrough or Sheffield United in the Championship. 
Mm. Uh, it's horrible to say. I don't mean, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just being what I think. I would love nothing more than to see him because he's just a defender. You know, there's a couple of players in, in, in the game at the moment. I look at Big Andy Carroll at Newcastle that are just old school. And uh, this new modern style of playing football, um, it seems to be the way. But, you know, we're still of that generation where we, we you know, we've seen the We've seen some players that were just old school. It's good to see they're not filled because uh, they're not filled to this world. It's just great to see. You know, he, he reminds me a character, maybe hippie, you know. Um, but he's been brought into Liverpool for a reason. You don't just go out and buy a player like that for nothing. Yeah. You know, he's not at Liverpool because he, he, he got there by mistake. Someone's seen something in him. And um, for me now, he, he's got to start every game, even if it's just a put for being on midfield because, okay, he's not got pace, mate, which we all know that's a... Every time I hear a discussion about Nat Phillips, it's he's great, but he's got no pace. It's like we got we know he's got no pace, that's fine. Carrigan never had it, if he never had it. Yeah. Um but apart from that, what else can you say? I think he got done on a turn last night and he had a player turn them. But as you say, all the best defenders get skilled. I remember Hippie um, against Chelsea when Drogba was was when Drogba was like in his peak and Hippie was coming towards the end. And it was um it was it was awful to see. It was a shame to see, you know, Drogba bullied Hippie. And uh, no one bullied Hippie, you know. So mm. it's as you say, everyone's got, you know, everyone's got a weakness as such in the locker. But if he keeps working on his, you know, attribution and his dis- dis- distribution, trying to get my words out there, <laughs> um, he's got all the right, you know, things to be a great, great player for the puzzle. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, as I said, he's he's twenty three, and we say about him getting turned once in a Champions League last 16 game in his first season for Liverpool that is absolutely being riddled with an injury crisis to, to only get turned once. As I said, the only people that we don't see that happening to are, are players like Van Dijk, Sergio Ramos, like boys like that. Um, I'd take him over Ramos anyway, just come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I think most people would in Liverpool. But like boys like that, like Van Dijk, we t- we speak about him never being beaten, and he is talked about in the the top essence of football. Now Philip to only get turned over once in a Champions League game in the last sixteen in his first proper season for Liverpool's first team. Champions League exactly. as well, exactly. Just proven the level that he's at, and as you said, he's no nonsense. But I think in English football we kind of miss that, and I think that's what we are drawn to with him. We're drawn to that player who is just no nonsense, prepared to stick his head on the ball no matter what. See him playing with a bandage, and always he's been kicked in the head or elbowed in the head in the game before. And he's just he's a no nonsense defender. And sometimes let's, you need uh, to... let's before we um, before we go into the second part of the show, let's give a wee shout out to another big Liverpool fan and uh, listen to Bob Jumbo. He's like a Jumbo, isn't he? <laughs> he really is. That's a compliment, Jumbo. That's, that's a compliment. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Like yeah, and yeah, he is that type of it's player. A shout out today, isn't it? I know, yeah. Get the, get them drawn in, but um, but that's the thing is that that's what you want sometimes is that player that you know is going to stick his boot in no matter what, and if the player manages to skip past him, you know that he's not actually going to get past because his legs are going out. And that Phillips just reminds yeah. me of that type of player. I love seeing that last night where he kind of took your man out, didn't he? Um, yeah. I forget your man's name, but he was. Um, another thing, what we will say though, totally uh, football, but like, how many? Uh, how's what, what's going on with the world? When you've got a football team and more of them have got long hair and ponytails than like less of them, you know, I'd say about eighty percent of their players have ponytails and long hairs and, <laughs> and quips and, and I, I just think, what what's going on over Germany? Did, did he go to hair to the match or something? I don't know. Sorry to say, but <laughs> it's a bit, bit, you know, 
that Phillips with his skinhead and his headband resemble football a lot more than you know the the the, the five or six Robbie Savage lookalikes in the Leipzig team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether they'll blame lockdown haircuts and hairdressers being away, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see. When you want to see them, they all, they all have ponytails and plants and whips and, and perms and I don't know. It was it's a bit mad to see it, you know. Modern day football for you, but. There we go. As I said, we've started on a low, finished on a high. And as I said to you before we started this podcast, my mood at the minute would be cautiously optimistic that we can take this sort of Champions League form and take it into the league and hopefully build on that now that we're getting players in the positions that they're meant to be playing in. But we'll see how it goes and we can be happy now. We'll see if that changes on Monday. But we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to carry on discussing this. Thank you very much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Welcome back, folks, to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, yeah, we... um... We've probably gone over on time a bit there because we've got that enthusiastic just talking about football. Um, <laughs> as people know, me and Danny in our active lives don't get a, a, a lot of chance to actually sit there and discuss. You know, obviously with lockdown and stuff now as well, we we, we don't get that chance to have a bit of banter about football. Um, but hopefully the good times are coming soon. And we do enjoy this um, bit of banter on our podcast. But what I will say is serious things. Um, and a big serious game coming out against Wolves on Monday night. Um, Monday night football, the whole world will be watching us. Carrig will be there with one of his guests and it'll be, you know, it's the last game before the international break. And um, it really gives us a platform, in my opinion, Danny, to kind of end the the really bad spell in, 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 with a couple of good results after playing well against Leipzig. Um, Wolves this season, you know, they're sitting mid-table. They've not had a great season. Um, I think Wolves have suffered, like a lot of teams, where they've had two or three good seasons and then they've just struggled to hit that consistency with you know the lockdown and no fans and there's a lot of contributing factors, but you know, I think they've just been hit. You know, some teams have kind of took advantage of the situation. You think of Everton comes to mind, you think of West Ham comes to mind. Um you would you would never you would have never put no money on West Ham for this number of wolves. But like they've kind of swapped this season almost. Yeah. And but they are a team that have got quality. Um, you know, we, we know what they have, they've no Neves and Triore and you know, Matinho controlling midfield. We know about Cody at the back. You know, they've, they've got quality right throughout the team. Um, so it's a difficult game, Danny. It's, it's a tough game. But it's a game that, as I've just said, um, you know, at the beginning of my point, was that if we get a positive result against Wolves, it's something to build on. And we've got three weeks to try, over the international break to try and get players back, get, you know, a lot more training sessions under the belt. Um and I have something to look forward to as Liverpool fans because it's been a bleak couple of months. Um, first of all, Danny, what I, what I want to ask is how do you see us kind of matching against Wolves? Where, where do you see the game being won or lost? Or do you think it's just going to be a typical game where, you know, they're going to let us come on to them and hit us on the counter? That's the worry at the minute, isn't it? Is that, is that without sound repetitive, it's going to be the same again. And Wolves, you look at Wolves' results throughout the season. Wolves generally are performing well against the good teams. They're like, they're like Liverpool of old, like the Liverpool that we remember from years <laughs> it's ago. It's away from home, though. That's a positive. Yeah, yeah. For us, it's a positive, definitely. 
well, you look at their last number of games they've played. They've they've relegated. They've got they've obviously got points against Aston Villa. Uh, they've got points against Southampton. They got points against Leicester. They got points against Arsenal. They got points against Chelsea. But then they're losing games against Crystal Palace and West Brom and obviously Man City. But that's like kind of beside the point. Uh, they're drawing with Newcastle and stuff. So my worry is 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 that we're going to see a bit of a, a repetition in terms of Liverpool are a big team, so Wolves are going to turn it on. I think Wolves have, have been unfortunate this season. I think it didn't help that someone came in and swooped one of their best strikers uh, in the summer, like not naming any names of our football team. <laughs> but um, I think they've suffered a little bit. And I think, as you said, I think it's one of those things as well. Wolves have, have got a passionate fan base. And I think the fact that they've lost those fans as well hasn't really helped them too much. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. And as you said, we're at this point of the season now where teams don't want to lose rather than teams want to win. And that's what we're going to see is that potentially, depending on how games go, it, it could be that the Wolves will drop down into 15th if they lose this game against Liverpool. Where if they win this game against Liverpool, they're potentially going to 10th. So there's such a big dynamic of play outside of just one isolated game of football. So I think both teams will be trying to get the win. But I also think that both teams will be very, very cautious. It wouldn't surprise me if it finishes one all. Um, though if Liverpool play the way that they played against Leipzig there, play the players in the right position, Diogo Jota comes on and performs. It's whether he will against his old team, um, whether Salah and Mane take the chances that they need to. Uh, I'd I'd like to I'd like to hope that it would be a two 0 to Liverpool because I think our defence has been solid. But it wouldn't surprise me if it finishes one all. Well, this is the thing as well. We've got because it's some Monday night. We've got the extra few days to prepare. So we're now chatting. We played on Wednesday. We've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's four days to prepare for a big game. Yeah. And um, Wolves isn't a million miles away up the road neither. Um, an hour and a half. So I think to myself that you know it could be a game. I don't care as long as I, as long as we win. I don't care about the performance. And that's God's honest truth. But I think it's a given that you have to play um, for being in midfield and uh, probably Quebec and Phillips at the back. Um, I would almost suffice to say go with the exact same team that played against Leipzig. I, I, I don't think there's an argument to take anyone out this day, really. I mean, what else could you, you could argue maybe throw Curtis Jones in there to freshen things up with one album, but for me, I just play the same team and hope for the best. But um, what I would say is the the way you said before, you're going to be cautiously optimistic. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic and I'm going to go for uh, probably a score draw, but I'm hoping 3 0 to Liverpool. Um, it's just, a, as I say, don't get beat and it's something that we can build upon. Go on a little bit more next week. Um, we've hopefully got a couple of guests lined up next week, hopefully. Um, but I want to kind of divulge it just quick. For you, in like kind of a sentence or two, Danny, and I'll say afterwards, what a success this season for Liverpool. So where we're at now, forget about the beginning of the season, all these high hopes from me on top of Christmas. Do you remember them, mate? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's, um, what, what, what's success for Liverpool this season? Success has got to be finishing in a in a European spot, whether that be Champions League or whether that be Europa League. I think right now it's looking far more likely it's going to be Europa League. But I think we've got to, I think if we can finish in that top seven, then that's a good season for us. But I think I think it's going to be detrimental to Liverpool if we finish the season outside the European places in terms of bringing in players that we want to bring in, in terms of keeping the players that we want to keep. Um, I think we've got to finish somewhere within that top seven. Um, or... 
I think another way of looking at it would be finish anywhere in the league or win the Champions League. And and if we were to win the Champions League that se- this season, then that is a complete and utter success. Even if we finish in 10th or 11th, we've got to class that as a good season in- inside what is this really bizarre season this season. So I'd, I'd go with either Champions League win or top seven. Fair enough, fair enough. What I would say to kind of coincide that, for me, it's making top four. We've still got a good fighting chance. We can beat anyone on the day. Um, and what I'd love to see is get us a favourable draw in the quarters, get over that tie. You know, I say favourable for my Porto, but that's that's so disrespectful to the Porto football club. But get a favourable draw that we can get through and then just have a hit in the semis. And as you get to the final, anything can happen. And, you know, God knows what team we can put out there. So, um, for me, aim for top four and just have a bash in the cup and see what happens. Um, but, you know, if we were managed to get top four and we were to get to a final or a semi-final, that for me is success. Um, you say they're about finishing 10th or 11th, but win the cup. Just say we finished 8th or 9th out Europa League, but then we got to the final and got beat. That's where it's such a big... Can you imagine if we got to the final and never won? You know what I mean? So let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got you know, one, two, four tough games ahead of us before we even can think about the final. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all about getting top four for me. And as I say, trying, trying to give the fans something to shout and scream about and talk about fans like us on this podcast because if we get knocked out the Champions League you know <laughs> what have we got to talk about it's just going to be bleak you know but there you go but yeah um, in the background folks Danny's having a bit of a, a storm or something along those lines so we're having a few technical issues here so what I'll do in the meantime I'll just say thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.